is a code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Alan Watt, and cutting through the matrix time again, on July the 7th, 2008. I always ask the newcomers to look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and download lots of the previous talks with lots of information which help fill in all the little gaps they leave out in history books to show you how we've got to where we are, where it came from, and where we're supposed to go. Also look into alanwalksentinel.eu for transcripts which you can download in the various tongues of Europe. And we are on a roll. We know, I think those who are awake, truly awake, who occasionally scour the media to see what the next push is, have noticed this one come even over the last few days because all major media is going into overdrive to do with the global warming, greenhouse gases, have we got to change our ways, stop eating meat, and, and on and on it goes, all down to various kinds of social reconditioning. They're reconditioning us to the next level of society. And the plans for the society go back such a long, long time. But to the average person who doesn't know anything at all outside of their mainstream media and their television uh, they think we're just progressing and dealing with crisis as they came along. You know, when they came up with the weather program, the weather station, I thought, who on earth is so neurotic that they're going to sit and watch weather 24 hours a day? Well, that wasn't the intent. And, and by the way, there are neurotic people who, who are fixated on the weather, who do watch it 24 hours a day. And in a short time, very short period of time, they changed even a little shower into a coming storm. Or you'd find there's a snowstorm coming and it'd be two inches deep at the most, you know, a few centimeters. But to listen to them hype it all up, everything was going to be a crisis. And I knew then that they were going to use weather big time and the crisis of weather to have us change our ways. Remember the book I keep mentioning, The First Global Revolution, put out and published by the founders of the Club of Rome. We're right in there, they said back in the 70s, they dreamed up this idea of blaming the public for causing global warming. So mankind became an enemy of the planet, technically. And we'd all pool together and shape our ways and do what we're told, because you do that under warfare conditions. And bingo, 2001 comes along and they have their war. And if you notice, there's more social changes happening than anything to do with the farcical terrorism they keep hyping about. It's all social change across the whole world. The entire world is going through the same scenario. And it's to do with social changes, changing the way we think, changing what we think the purpose of our personal lives happens to be. We're being told what it is, is to serve this global state. We've had the big shots come out and say publicly, that those who are not for globalism are therefore classed as terrorists. That's a fact, by the way. So 
now you know what they mean by terrorism is anyone who doesn't go along with the agendas. And in all ages, when they hired the revolutionaries, they hired the fanatics. I think it was Pike that mentioned that they hire and re release on the public the atheists and the nihilists, those, those people with big chips on their shoulders who join groups who don't fit in. And that's the ones who get used. These are the ones who belong to the environmental groups, the radical, radical greenies. And neurotic, by the way, utterly neurotic. And they, they like the power they're being given now from the top, even though they are non-governmental organizations. We'll be back with more about this after this break. And we are cutting through the matrix, this big illusional system that's given us a, a form of reality, a reality most folk accept and never question. And when the old reality has served its purpose and society has been moved from where it was to where it is now, they upgrade you and then change it again. And the people adapt so quickly and they don't notice and they have no memory of what was before. They adapt so incredibly quickly. And I was mentioning about how the media is going to overdrive with lots of controversial topics over the last few days, mainly to what they call raise things to public conscious awareness, which means this is the agenda and you're supposed to think about this. And of course, then they present you with all the experts to tell you what you're supposed to believe. And this technique has been used for our whole lives and our parents' lives as well. It's interesting to note that Gorbachev, who was president of the Soviet Union when it was supposedly communist, and now they're supposedly not communist, and they're our allies now in the war on terror. Uh, when he came over to the States, he set up in the Basidio, I believe he's moved now to some university, to start up this greening campaign. That was his main thing to do, to start the greening process, the first land army uh, that was, that was uh, talked about by NASA, of all people, uh, back in the 70s. They talked about creating the land army. These were the NGOs that would become radical greenies to build up a religion that would fit in with the New Age religion of nature worship and bring all this about. A whole generation would grow up and accept this much more easily if it was a form of New Age type religion mixed with saving the planet and green and all the rest of it. So... Gorbachev brought a book out, I think it was called Towards a New Civilization. And in the book he said, I am an atheist. And then later on in the book he said, we, we, with this group and many others, are creating a new uh, global religion. And it must be based on a form of earth worship. So he's an atheist working with teams to create a religion for the public to believe in. And look around you. The New Age has hardly, hasn't touched anyone. Everyone's been touched by it. Because since the Beatles came out and started the Maharishi thing, which was the purpose of the whole thing, Blavatsky's old dream of mixing the East with the West has come true. Hinduism and Christianity and everything else has combined together. Well laid plans, eh? Well laid plans. And all they have to do is time, like the stone song, time is on my side. And time certainly is on this boy's side. The one who plans it all, it seems. 
and uh, we're watching it, we're living it through it. Now, as we're being more and more socialized towards the old dream that the elite had, and I'm talking about the elite in Britain and Europe, these were royal people, these were, these were the overlords that were all descended from the Normans, and the, they are the aristocracy. You find Bertrand Russell and others said that they thought they used to have to, that they eventually had to take the children from the, the parents at birth so they wouldn't be contaminated with the parents' old-fashioned ideas of family and bonding and all that stuff. And then he thought that kindergarten was the best way to go because he said if we can get them and give them scientifically and uh, scientific indoctrination very quickly, uh, uh, the parents' inputs when the child goes home will be null and void, to be cancelled out. And it's been very successful. And he had the first big experimental schools authorized by the Crown in England uh, back in the early 1900s. And he did an awful lot of amazing stuff with those children. He tried to encourage pre-pubertal sex and everything, long before Kinsey came up. And he was given authority by the Crown to do this. Now, anybody in the street doing that would be locked up right away, but it's different when they do it for a good cause, you see. You see, they, want, they, they just care about society. So, uh, this is where it's going. Then he said, they've found the scientific indoctrination. They might not have to take the child from the parent. They weren't quite sure. He said, because um, it's much more economically feasible and better, of course, for the Crown if rather than the state bring up the children and, and use more tax money, which they can pocket otherwise, like they pocket a lot of money, just to give it back and, and so on to child care workers. He said, let the parents pay for the economic cost of the child, but we'll do the indoctrination. And we see the effects today. The state has given the children for the last 20, 30 years, 40 years, their values. And you can see what kind of values and where they've been heading. And it's not by accident, by the way. It's not by accident. So now in Canada, which really is one of the most socialist countries along with England, because it's part of the British Empire, it still is, it's a commonwealth, they call it now, then we are always ahead of the United States. But I've noticed now we're all working in the same direction at the same time now. It's almost no gap at all. So they're going after the even younger children to get their minds before they can even listen to their parents, it seems. And this is from the province. It's a British Columbia paper, and it was published on July the 4th, 2008, by Glenda Loomis, the province. It says, B.C. parents could soon be sending their toddlers off to school as the provincial government considers pre-kindergarten classes for three- and four-year-olds and full-day kindergarten for five-year-olds. The controversial proposal up for public debate, that's a laugh, until July the 18th is under review by the Ministry of Education after the government committed to a feasibility study in February's throne speech. One of the things we've been hearing more frequently is that parents want to have increased choices for early learning, said Education Minister Shirley Bond yesterday. I love how these people can say these things without a blush. When do these people ever listen to the public? When do they ever listen? The proposal comes as wait times for daycare facilities grow longer. Studies show that one quarter of BC children who arrive at kindergarten are not developmentally ready. One quarter. Eh? Now, what is developmentally ready? I mean, here we are again being all standardized like eggs. These small size, medium and large. You know? But we're all supposed to be ready at the same time for, for, for this, this socialization process. 
And I guess if, you, if you're not ready, there's something wrong with you. They'll, they'll give you a classification, put you on pills right away. It says the new classes could also provide a solution to the problem of declining enrollment that has seen numerous BC schools closed in recent years. Hooray. Hooray. Bond said that while the cost and format of the possible program are still being researched, the throne speech stipulated full-day kindergarten would be considered for 2009, with optional pre-kindergarten for four-year-olds by 2010 and three-year-olds by 2012. Half-day kindergarten is currently optional in B.C. You see, the studies uh, show early childhood education programs can stimulate development if they're done properly. It's better to have licensed and trained teachers educating our children than the TV. The University of BC education professor said it's true enough that they have better videos to show for children made by psychologists to brainwash them quicker than TV, even quicker. Adding that in today's society, both parents often work, leaving children in the hands of daycare providers who may not have the proper training. Then that's true too. That's true too. They had to get the females into the workforce, destroy the family unit, double their tax base, which they did. And now you have a lot of single mums because very few couples can stay together anymore today in a way. And the state technically is in charge. It really works for the state now. He said, I don't believe the goal of the program is just to have children to do better in math and reading. He said, it's about trying to create a better learning and growing situation where we would, we would have fewer children at risk. Now, this is a real point of it. They want to psychologically evaluate the children very, very young, categorize them for possible risk factors. You might grow up to be a thief. You might be this, you might be that. This is where the psychology, this is the Skinner techniques all coming in to school under the guise, of course, of helping the parents. And the parents in Canada, by the way, especially the mothers, were out in the streets in Toronto before when there was a a childcare strike, demanding that the state get back on the job, force them to work, because they wanted the state to take care of their children for them. That's the reversal of sin in only 20 years. Complete mind shift from 180 degrees, oh, it's my child, to, hey, you're the state, you take care of my child. And that's socialism. So they played right into the hands of those who play with the minds of children. They're giving them exactly what they want. And this is to do with socialization. Now, this ties in with the article I read by, I think it was Perry from Britain. And... It ties in with this new socialization process. They're going to teach them less mathematics and less uh, history, etc. Definitely not history. Can't have that. And they're going to socialize them for a new society. That's the whole thing. More indoctrination. So they're all part of the same greening slogans, etc. And they'll all be vegetarian. That's on the books. And um, and they'll report people who who are politically incorrect along that particular agenda. That's what all this is about, and they're on a roll. It's quite interesting. They couldn't have done this without doubling the tax base, as I say. And there was a massive campaign in all Western countries at the same time, always coordinated, to get the woman into the workplace. And snide little remarks in movies and so on, oh, you're just a housewife, to make you feel really small and low if that's what you did. And stuff like that. It's interesting now they call them domestic engineers, now that they've reversed it all, and women get employed looking after houses, and they call them engineers. But at that time, oh, you're a housewife. Oh, you're, you're the bottom of the totem pole. Good gracious. 
And they went in there, sure enough, and doubled the tax base. And you know who, who brought in, in Britain and Canada and the British Commonwealth countries and the United States, the property taxes? You know who put the bills for it and drafted it up? And the income taxes? Do you know who did that too? And who are proud to tell you this? It was the Council on Foreign Relations. Go into their histories, read it. Go into their sites. Same with the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs for England. It's the same thing, same organization, Council of Foreign Relations outside England, at least out non, non-Commonwealth countries. Very proud, but they had to double that tax base, and by God, they did. Quite simple when you pull the strings in the media. Back with more after this break. Cutting through the matrix. At the start of the show, I mentioned how the media suddenly goes in all at once at the same time across the world with the same topics to to get you all talking about them. As Brzezinski said, they give us the things we talk about, but there's also more to it sometimes, and that's to create public awareness. They they want to push the envelope, it's called in culture creation. I mentioned before about how the international censorship committees meet together, that's all your national censorship committees, they meet together to see how far they can push the envelope to the next step. And they'd mentioned in 2001 that they'd won the rights for, for, for the gays and so on, to have stuff on, on TV, etc., for comedies, and they were, push, they were pushing the next level, which would even go into paedophilia. And here we go. They give us the topic. It's meant to be controversial. And you can tell by the, the answers of the father in this article that this is the main idea behind it, is to get everyone talking until eventually they bring experts on in every country until we, don't, we won't know what paedophilia is anymore and we'll be convinced that Kinsey was right and that children are just sexual, the same as adults. So that, that's the goal. That's the ultimate goal, and this is the start of the, the, the train here. And this was on uh, Yahoo!, it's uh, July 7th. This is Dad Defense Magazine's new child cover. And then the child's there, a little pitch at the top part of the child. Uh, done up, obviously, the face, etc., makeup, etc., uh, like an adult. And wearing some jewelry, apparently. Australian artists are defending the controversial decision of Art Monthly magazine to run a photograph of a naked child on its front cover. The front cover of the magazine features Melbourne photographer Poloxeni Papapetrouz. It's an interesting name, Polixeni, isn't it? You should have picked something like that for, to start this off. 2003 photo of her naked daughter, who was six at the time. The New South Wales government is referring the magazine to the classification board. The Prime Minister has said he can't stand the picture, and Federal Arts Minister Peter Garrett has said the magazine was being needlessly provocative. Well, that's the, see, this is the whole intention of it. Here we are in this day and age. As I say, I've gone over talks before, They've got, they've got corpses, dried out corpses, with, with plastic on them, even more stiff, hanging on wires in art galleries. They're selling body parts across the planet, for God's sake. And here they're pushing this part of this agenda too. Very old agenda, all the same stuff, to degrade society at its bottom level, till there's nothing that we can ever see, we can remember as being what we call normal. When you're in flux, you adapt quickly, and there's no more normal. 
Normal keeps changing. How many fingers do I have up? It's as much as I tell you, says O'Brien, and Paul was 84. There's never been any study that suggests that there's a link between pedophilia and art, he said. That, now, that's almost verbatim from Kinsey's um, defense of using sexual perverts, well-known perverts, uh, and keeping their names from the police. He, he was well associated with them for other reasons because he himself was into this stuff. And he was using these, these particular studies, and I'll, I'll talk about them later, studies to try and say this was, these were the average people, which is total nonsense. To continue with this article, unfortunately we're working without any science. People are just making these assertions without protecting children, which is unarguable. I mean, why would you not want to, to protect them? But no one really explained protect them from what? Prime Minister Kevin Rudd said no child that age could get their consent to such work. But Mr. Nelson said Mr. Rudd should back up his concerns with evidence. This is to get everybody on one side of the argument or the other. This is the way it's written, you see. I think he's welcome to have an opinion on art, I think, is, that's to be encouraged, Mr. Nelson has said. And then they, they go back and forth, back and forth within the, in the Hegelian dialectic so that you, the listener, will, will go one way or the other depending on which your point of view is. But it's not your point of view. You've just adopted it from an expert. Kinsey as I say, kicked off this for the West. Now, he wasn't the first one. That was the 1940s. There was one in Germany prior to World War II in the 20s and 30s who had a, a museum built up. Of It was called the Museum of Sexual Perversion. And had all the, the gadgets and gizmos and stuff to torture and everything, say the masochistic stuff. And they really pushed Germany prior to World War II into all this stuff. You, you could walk into Berlin the biggest nude shows in the world uh, people were broke uh, had no problem getting the females to go up and dance and all the rest of it and even had orgies at the end of them you see a, a, tr a trio of, mo of um, CBC documentary specials called Sin Cities Sin Cities well worth seeing, you've got to see them if you can find copies, send me them and appreciate them, I saw it when it came out but anyway, Kinsey simply copied his stuff uh, because uh, that guy fled Germany in the 30s, Kinsey copied his stuff because this is the same agenda by the same same groups. And Kinsey uh, was so weird and deviant, he was trying to get his staff even to have sex with each other. And he himself came to the conclusion he preferred men during his own studies. He went so far as to cut his own foreskin off. I don't know if you know that. Kinsey cut his own foreskin off with a penknife, without anesthetic. I guess it gave him the biggest thrill he'd ever had. Maybe that's how far you have to go when you've done it all, seen it all. There's a, a good documentary on Google, on Kinsey. It's called Kinsey's Pedophiles. Look it up. Very well done. Talks to the guys who work with them, and who still defend them, by the way, who are obviously all a bit that way themselves. Uh, absolutely obsessed with their own particular little areas of speciality, you might say. Well worth seeing. But this is what this is intended to do. It's, taken, it's just picking up from there to go into this next phase. They call it intergenerational sex. They won't call it pedophilia. Intergenerational sex. That's the drive now across the world. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi, this is Cutting Matrix, and I am Alan Watt. Just pointing out how the media is going into their social overdrive now. Now that everyone's in flux, a period of crisis that's sustained, even if nothing too drastic happens to you, still creates tension. And the longer you're un- under tension, the more susceptible you become to suggestion. This is standard technique. And as people are getting under uh, more stress with the high gasoline prices and all this terrorism fiasco going on, and the prices going up in the stores, with everything that's transported, obviously, they're feeling the pinch, and now it's time to bombard them with all the, the, these, these fantastic crises that are happening, the global warming, the greening of the planet, stop eating meat, yada, 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 and, uh, and so on and so on. And right down, as I say, to changing definitions of socially acceptable behavior for the new normal that will be here shortly. And it will, it will, I can guarantee, because most people watch regular media, and Brzezinski said it all, they've done all the studies long, long ago. Most people cannot reason for themselves. They're simply downloaded from television on a daily basis with experts' opinions. And those opinions become their own. The way things are presented to you, too, people don't really question much at all. They don't question the other sides of things. They take information as it's presented to them and that even tries to get them excited. And it always, it's always sold to you for your benefit. It's going to benefit you. Because people understand self-benefit, you see. This is from the Daily Galaxy, July, June 25th, 2008. It says, Will a computer symbiote be implanted in future human brains? Well, we know that because we know they discussed at Loyola University's meetings, the ones that Newt Gingrich uh, pushed off and it was paid for by the U.S. Department of Commerce. It says here, Will future humans have computers implanted in their brains? Researchers are developing a neural implant that can think independently. Now, developing is old stuff. They've done it long ago. They said that at those meetings six years ago. This is just like the human brain does. Creepy? Yeah. Cool? Oh, definitely. This is for the young ones to make them be like their their favorite uh, video game stars. The things that give them superpowers and all that. Scientists at the University of Florida aren't just creating a neural implant that can translate human brain signals, which was done a long time ago, but one that can act independently to increase its efficiency and synergy of the brain as it learns new things, or with the brain as it learns new things. In the grand scheme of brain-machine interfaces, this is a complete paradigm change, said Justin C. Sanchez, Ph.D., a UF assistant professor of pediatric neurology at the studies, and the studies lead out interesting what he's in, pediatric neurology, eh? This idea opens all kinds of possibilities for how we interact with devices, how we interact with them. It's not just about giving instructions, but about those devices assisting us in a common goal. You know the goal, the computer knows the goal, and you work together to solve the task. Friendly computer, right? These brain computers are programmed with complex algorithms that can interpret thoughts. But the algorithms used in current brain-machine interfaces are incapable of adapting to change. Sanchez explains they are order takers, but not adaptive problem solvers. The status quo of brain-machine interfaces that are out there have static and fixed decoding algorithms, which assume a person thinks one way for all the time, he said. We learn throughout our lives 
and come into different scenarios. So you need to develop a paradigm that allows interaction and growth. Sanchez and his colleagues tested out evolving brain-machine interfaces using rats. The rats' brains were fitted with tiny electrodes that capture thought signals. They capture thought signals. Now, this is old stuff, and Begich and others have shown you stuff on, on, uh, in his books and on his website and so on. And other magazines have talked about this. They have um, electrodes. They don't even need electrodes, in fact. They can actually beam a, a, a microwave at you, read the signals off your brain, and interpret those very automatically. And within milliseconds, beam back corrections into your brain. If, if you've got wrong think, they can beam it back into you. Think it's your own thought. The NSA has that kind of gear. So does the CIA at the top. Back to the rats. Three rats were taught how to have a robotic arm or move it towards a target using just their thoughts. Each time they succeeded, they were rewarded. The computer, on the other hand, was programmed to earn as many points as possible by figuring out how to help the rats. The closer a rat moved the arm to the target, the more points the computer received, which helps the computer determine which brain signals lead to the most rewards. So it's Pavlovian, you see. The computer then knew how to streamline the process to make it more efficient and ultimately easier for rats. Now, rather than go on with the PR blurb, and all this is a PR blurb, we've already seen what happened with the global positioning satellite system OnStar. They can lock you in your car. They can knock your car out, in fact, so it can't move. We've a totalitarian regime across the planet right now to do with managing completely the individual's lives. Do you really think they're going to give you something that's going to help and benefit you personally? When at the Loyal meeting, they said that when everyone has these chips, it'll be impossible to think as an independent, separate human being. That's the goal of it. And you'll have instructions getting sent to your brain by what they call regional computers. See, there's always a, a good plausible reason and then there's a real reason. The public like the plausible one. It's sold to them with lots of sugar and they go for it without thinking. So always remember when you're reading something from whatever angle, science, whatever, there's a PR public relations in there, they have an objective, and that's to get you to gradually, subconsciously just go along with that blurb and then when it comes into reality, you'll actually want it done to you. Think about it. Always think to say there's always a plausible reason, then there's a real reason. We'll go to the phones now, and I've got one fella who emailed me today. He had some problems with the police, I believe, the Invictus Invictus Hella, as he calls himself. This is Hell, of course, Planet Earth. Are you Hello, there? sir. How are you? Yes, yes, sir. It's Invictus. Uh, the sequel continues. Yep. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the Republic magazine? Yeah. Okay, so I just did an article for them. Uh, the guy, uh, the editor, called me and hired me to do an article. Um, it was too much personal information and not enough just straight facts. Um, but what I wrote. I sent out, I did a MySpace bulletin, and I sent it to everyone I knew, right? <clears throat> a neighbor <clears throat> that got it, she brought a police officer to the house yeah. because of the article I wrote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not kidding. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. of an article. Uh-huh. So, and, and I'm not there anymore. 
because you know I'm, I'm I'm kicked out, you know the jail stuff, all that. Yeah. I have to live with my friend uh, Mike in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and um, uh, she called me up. She's like, yeah, uh, the neighbor uh, Mary Jo, she came over with a police officer because of an article you wrote, and she's worried about you. Yeah. Now, now what did you say to the police? Did you say she was afraid of you because of what you think, or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you can read it. Like, if you read it, I, I read it again just to make sure, you know, okay, there's nothing like militia in there, you know. <laughs> there's, uh-huh. there's not even any Bill Cooper stuff in there. It's like, <clears throat> you read it, and it's like the most aggressive thing in there says fight for truth. Oh, that's terrible. That, that's, That's terrible, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if, if you'd like to read it, I've actually emailed it to you. I yeah. know you have so many emails, you can't you can't get to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you want to, how did the police? How did the police uh, approach you? Did they were they were they okay? They didn't, they didn't approach me. I got a call from my grandmother. I'm uh-huh. in Pennsylvania. Yeah. She's in she's in another state. Yeah. And and she said, uh, yeah, I just. Uh, I just I just got a, a bang on the door, and the neighbor and a cop showed up because of an article yep. that she got from you in the email, and it was the article that I wrote for the Republic magazine. Yeah, my goodness. And all it was, you know, all it was, basically all your information. I was just dropping facts. Yeah. I was just giving information. I quoted you. I quoted Immortal Technique. I quoted a few other people, and I wrote in my own words everything that I've learned from you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and yeah. that's all it was was like four pages of that. Well, they always say that she showed up with a police officer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So well, it's just as well you weren't there. <laughs> it gets worse and worse. I'm scared of my future now, Alan. Well, you're an outlaw now. You see, I'm like, damn. You mentioned that like first word. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! Like, how does it end? <laughs> like, That's right. You know, you might start an infection and wake people up. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you can't. You know, you look around and nobody knows what's going on. Yep, nobody has any idea. Well, see that—that's your all this snooping uh, in action now, because they've, they've asked all the citizens to be on alert and, and report everything, and uh, it's getting it's getting pretty scary out there. Because at one time the cops would have laughed, you know. Yeah, but not the, today. The, not yeah, today. That, that's very scary. Yeah, like, I can write an article. And you get one in your Gmail, okay, and you read it, and it's not even aggressive. It's not like no, no. I saw I've it. Got yeah. guns, and I'm gonna overthrow the government. It's none of that. No. I was just dropping information, just like you did, you know, just like things I've learned from you. Yeah. Basically, you know, just breaking down information for like four pages. Mm-hmm. And she showed up with a police officer, yeah. harassing my grandmother once again. She's already, you know, been through so much. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with everything with me, and now I'm gone. Yeah, well, you better rest. And she still has to deal with this because yeah. the neighbor showed up. Mm-hmm. Well, so you hang I, in there. I figured I would tell you about the sequel to, <laughs> to yeah, <laughs> to the problem. Yeah, you, you mm-hmm. hang in there and uh, and let me know if there's any more of do, do you want to read the article? I actually sent it not right to now. You. I've got I've got other callers. I have to get through. Okay, if anybody else wants to, it's at uh, myspace.com slash InvictusMan, and you can read it. And uh, if you want to read it, it's uh, the title of uh, the subject is Vic from Hella. Yeah. If you'd like to read it, because there's nothing. There's nothing all in it. I, I saw it's the one you sent. dropping information, so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep.
Good, good day out in the bush. Keep dry. <laughs> All right, take care. Now we're going to Dale from Michigan. Um, Hello, Dale. I was calling. I, I thought your program was about uh, the pedo pedophile network out there. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I just wanted to uh, quote Voltaire. I know he's supposed to be a Freemason, but he said the scum rises to the top. Mm -hmm. And Freud was uh, talked about a... Uh, like a, a mass hysteria among his female patients because yeah. they were all claiming that their fathers of industry, uh, captains of industry, and um, city fathers and everything had sexually abused them. Mm -hmm. And then he came to know that it was true. And um, then there was a debate over how young you could accept the uh, confessions of children like that. Yeah. But... Um, about five years ago, I visited a cemetery in Ohio with my niece, and I uh, had, before that, started uh, noticing symbols, and one really stood out to me. It was an angel that was in over, standing over, like, eight children's graves, very young children, and she had two upside-down torches on the pillars on either side of this angel. And there were either seven or nine rings around the um, torches. And I looked for a long time when I got home. And I think it's the seven or the ninth degree stands for the assassin. Mm -hmm. And then I found out that the upside-down torch, whether it's lit or um, not lit, stands for a life snuffed out, the yeah. end of life, which mm -hmm. is not like the Ouroboros which stands for everlasting life. Mm -hmm. So I uh, have toyed with the idea of writing a book. I've got all these chapter headings and everything because this stuff just comes to me. Yeah. But um, there, uh, I looked up because the name of the book was going to be uh, Stone Angel. Yeah. And there's a group in Canada called the Stone Angels, and they're called that because they were part of ritual abuse. They were the uh, children of top military and government officials. Mm -hmm. They were taken to military uh, bases where they were sexually and physically abused. Mm -hmm. um, and they were called stone angels because they were painted white yeah. in the uh, ritual. And um, several years ago I saw it, and it's like I have this knack for like tuning into television programs that are like on topic, like I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, there's a Danish film called The Celebration, which uh, they were the children of a mason. They all collected at his birthday to celebrate his birthday, and he had sexually abused his children. His daughter had committed suicide the year before, mm -hmm. and uh, so his uh, her twin brother brought it home for him in front of the whole Nazi clan. Yeah. But... Um, they had Robert Oxenham on 60 Minutes, and he talked about how, uh, well, he was the um, premier expert from the United States on uh, Eastern affairs, China and the East, and um, he had, was going through a nervous breakdown and um, went to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist told him he had multiple personalities, and he said that, I'm not Sybil. But it turned out he had more personalities than Sybil. 
His uh, grandfather was the head of the World Council of Churches. Mm-hmm. His oh, yeah. father was a uh, university president. And well, the um, thing is, been... what I've found, even even with the, the media that came out in Canada, <clears throat> and especially at British Columbia way, has been incredible pedophilia there, even with American Indians being oh, um, molested with with the Church of England. That's a no-no to mention the Church of England because the Queen's at the top of it. You yeah. can attack every other group, but leave them alone. And the Prime Minister had to come out recently and admit that all those accusations were correct. Uh, and it was brought forward by an ex-Anglican priest who was kicked out for standing up for this and doing the investigation. He was disowned by his own church. Uh-huh. And um, these children were molested, male and female, and some of them were apparently were killed and buried out there, and they're doing the digs right now. But um, you've got to understand, these are very well-organized organizations. And even the ones that Kinsey worked in, as I say, we'll see Kinsey's pedophiles on Google. Uh, these characters were obsessed with ritual during the abuse. They used stopwatches, um, uh, rulers, everything. You wouldn't believe the lengths they went to, under the guise, supposedly, of science. But it shows you the obsessional minds that they have. Uh, ritualistic type minds. See, obsessional and compulsive behavior is ritualistically inclined. So you'll find it in a lot of these these particular groups, and, and that's probably what you're coming across there. It is, but I also it's like I don't come across this stuff for no reason at all. Yeah. And it well, strikes well, me that the uh, Library of Alexandria burned down. Well, I have, to, I have to go to the break now. Then the music's coming in. Can I? But can I, put it all together and and to put the book out. I'll be back with more after this break. Hi, this is Cutting Through the Matrix, and I'm Alan Watt, and we have time for one more call, and that's Carl from Montreal. Are you there, Carl? Oh, he dropped off. Well, what I was talking about, as I say, is the this whole thing with ritual abuse and it's rich called ritual abuse for a good reason um, these networks are worldwide and I can remember too there were some grisly murders in Canada a few years back there and it came out in some some newspapers that particular videos of the actual killings and there were sexual killings ended up um in the hands of a lawyer, but another one was linked to London, Ontario. I think it was London, Ontario, where they found a, a bag in a river that was sunk in a buoy, placed there to, for pickup. Now, they, they actually distribute these kind of things across the world to select clients. Very rich people. Very, very rich people. And, um, of course, it, it never gets any further than that. It doesn't get any further than that. I can remember British Columbia a few years back in their local newspaper. I think it was the, the top character in B.C. It was some judge that was getting supplied with young boys from a home. And the man he'd appointed to be in charge of children's care at that time, I think for the province, um, was a known pedophile. And he was supplying them with the children. Uh, you have this sort of stuff all, and it doesn't go very far. I mean, I, I don't know if these guys even ever end up in prison because they're, they're kind of high up, they're well-connected, but they're well-connected to this, in, these international pedophilic rings. And even for Kinsey to have those contacts, this is my personal opinion, that he had, now he had a lifelong obsession, obviously, with sadistic-type um, sexual perversion. 
And I think he must have known of these groups. And who knows, he may have been a part of it because he knew how to contact members. Now, one of the members worked for the U.S. government that helped in his studies. He'd molested over 300, by his own admission, children. And that man was never charged. A man called King. They called him Green in the book to keep his identity secret from the, from the police. But he also knew another guy in Germany. He used that for his books, for the normal man. For the normal man, you see, as he tried to bend society upside down. And he's been well-funded by big powers to do so. And uh, the guy from Germany had been a stormtrooper in the Nazi party. And he actually did snuff, he did killed children during the sexual acts. Kinsey was using him as well. Kinsey was actually brought up uh, because, because of his involvement with these particular characters. He seemed to just know how to get in touch with them, these particular pedophilic rings. And they are worldwide, and they're very, very rich, and they're very jaded people, very jaded. You'll never get into their mindset, never, ever get into their mindset. And uh, you'll find, again, the ritual techniques are obsessional with detail. Everything that they do is timed, jotted down, recorded, and so on. And you'll find that, too, in the high occult systems and society that we belong to. Grown men don't take orders to have their throats cut for fun. The guys at the bottom have no idea what's going on at the top. And those who are picked from the bottom to get up there are well rewarded if they have a particular, a particular bent, you might say. From Hamish myself up in Ontario, Canada, it's good night and may your God, all your gods, go with you. <laughs>